Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be, I guess, sharing all the things that we're looking forward to that are coming up in July and August. As I mentioned last week, there's so much good literary fiction that it's going to be hard for the domestic suspense and the thrillers to tempt me away. And just some catch up. Gail's going to tell us what she plans on focusing the latter half of her 2019 on in terms of reading. And I've got a few things that I have read that are coming out over the next, well, definitely in July or just came out the end of June. So that is what we're going to be getting into today. Yes. I have like my wish list for the rest of the summer. So it's not necessarily stuff that's just coming out or is coming out in the next two months, but it's things that I've either been putting off or things that have really caught my eye that I've heard other people talking about that I want to try to finish up before the summer's up. So that that's my, uh, mm-hmm. that's what I've got. You've been very busy. Have you been able to do any reading? Well, I finished City of Girls, which I feel like, I don't know, I've been mentioning for probably at least three or four mm-hmm. podcasts where I'm at some point along in this book. But I finally finished and I really liked it. It was so good. That book has just been everywhere. Yeah. I I just gave it to a friend of mine who I saw yesterday at brunch. And yeah, I really liked it. It was so... I really love the characters. I love the description of the time period it was set in, the costumes, the relationships between the people, the women. I think I said on the last show, I was approaching the middle or approaching the point where there was going to be the big scandal or the trouble that goes on with the character. And I was nervous because I had really gotten to just like enjoy their world. So I didn't want the shakeup that was coming but it was quite a shakeup, but it was nice because it got, you got to really see what her life, the main character's life was like in response to that. A lot of books, you have the, the scandal or the showdown or whatever happened and sort of wrapped up very quickly. Maybe you get an epilogue, but you really did get a chance to see her life and what she made of it and what she learned from her experience. And there is a little bit of a mystery that drives the book because she is writing to the daughter of someone who's very important to her. And the daughter's question is, what did my father mean to you? So you meet a variety of people here and you don't know who she's talking about. Mm. So there's a little bit of trying to figure out like, who is she talking about? But you're just really caught up in the ride. And then it's did, he, she, did she meet him? You know, was that him? But, but it was really good, just the way it all came together and, and who this person was. And yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. Do you think this is her most successful non-memoir book? Probably, because I think the spectrum of the other topics that she has written about may not have been as, I want to say, accessible in a way. Signature of all things, is that? And I feel like that was set 
It was set in a rainforest or something. I don't I think that there's something about this book at this time. And then, then she had that one. I don't know if it was a novel, but it was maybe narrative nonfiction that was about, I think it's called The Last American Man. I think that there's something about this, you know, we've been over the last few weeks talking about coming of age novels that is very accessible to people. And this is basically what this is, you know, a coming of age novel. There's just something about it, I think, that just makes it appealing to a lot of people. I feel like I've seen it on, you know, so many lists and people reading it. Everyone seems to love it. Glad to hear it lives up to the hype. I didn't think it was too long, even though it was 400 and something pages. It was just right. Like I said, I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed the aftermath perspective. And then I finished another one that I had been working on, More News Tomorrow by Susan Richard Shreves. That is about the woman who is 70. She gets a call from someone from her past. Her mother was murdered when she was four years old and she was sent to live with her grandparents and her father was accused of the crime. And he died in jail after four years, he died of pneumonia, but he write, he had written her this really intriguing letter that it things were not as they seemed and that there would be more news tomorrow. So she has basically grown up thinking that her father, that there is an explanation for what, what went on. And when she hears from this man from her past, who was 11 years old, I think, so older than her at the time of her mother's death at this campsite, supposedly at the hands of her father. So she's very hopeful that he can shed more light onto the situation, brings up the issue with her family, and she decides that they should go and investigate years in the in the future or to go back to the scene of the crime. She's an anthropologist and she has made a study of basically looking, you know, looking at artifacts and trying to figure out story. So when she hears from this man who still lives not too far from the area where her mother was murdered, She decides to take her family on this canoe trip so that they can reenact events that happen. And of course, several things happen on this trip that make it questionable whether this was worthwhile. Is it have a thriller part to it? Like, is that suspenseful or is it more? There is a built in suspenseful element when when there is a something that you're hoping has a resolution. Like, did her father kill her mother? What will she find on this trip? her anticipation of this. Several members of her family are invested in different ways. You know, there is a son who is a part of the Obama administration. He's part of the campaign team. So he's very invested in getting Obama elected. He sort of doesn't want to take the time out to do this trip with his mother and is very vocal about it. And, you know, some of her grandchildren are coming along, some of her daughters and they're at different places in their relationship. And she has a particular grandson who is very invested to in finding out who was responsible. So there is this suspense to it. Like, what will we find? There are these flashbacks where you go back and you get to know her father and her mother to see what was going on in their lives. So there's a lot of complexity, a lot of family issues going on. I think my issue with this book is, is it You can get into trouble sometimes when there's such a suspenseful element. If I almost want to say if it's not told in the same way, or if this is more of a, you know, it's, it's like I would preface this by saying this is more of a family and exploration story. Mm hmm. 
And if you go into it thinking of it as, as such, then I think you're a much better, and is this spoilery? Am I telling, <laughs> help me. No, I think you're okay. You're not, cause you're not spoiling the plot. You're just explaining what kind of book it is. I think that's fine. So I think that you should go into it with that in mind. It's a much deeper, just look at how this, this event has affected this woman and how it's affecting her decisions and how it's affecting her kids. The fact that she wants to pursue something that is 64 years old. So there's a bit of discussion in terms of why now, why this time? Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it was interesting. I enjoyed it. I think that sounds really good. That sounds more appealing to me than a straight up thriller. So I'm still reading Laura or reading. I'm still <laughs> listening to Laura Lippman's Sunburn. Mm-hmm. The rate I'm going, it'll be my summer book. What else am I reading? And I'm still reading Three Women. So, oh, good. Gail, take it away. I was traveling this week, which means very little progress on two books. So that means very little progress on the book in, that I'm blow drying my hair to, which is still <laughs> Bad Blood because I didn't take that one with me. So I have, I'm stalled on Bad Blood, but, the, but I'll pick it back up. So. I'm not too worried. I had also started an audio right before I left, and I'm really enjoying it, but I haven't gotten very far because uh, I wasn't in the car because I was in another city. The The book that I am doing on audio is one that I was really excited to read as soon as I heard about it. It's called Fleischman is in Trouble, oh. and it is What's by... About it? That name sounds familiar. Yeah, this book is getting some attention. It's by Taffy Brodesser Ackner. And I think Taffy Brodesser Ackner is a journalist who writes, she's well known for writing very compelling and in-depth celebrity profiles. She's well known for that. And I don't know whether or not I've ever read anything she's written. I probably have. I just didn't recognize the byline or notice the byline. But this is her first novel. And it is about a guy, he's in his 40s, he lives in Manhattan, and he's just gotten divorced from his wife. And when the book opens, his wife shows up at his apartment and drops their two kids off, not during their usual custody schedule. And it's just like, I got to go. I've got a a business trip. And I think the premise is that she doesn't come back. So it's about like this guy who's sort of newly single, trying to juggle like dating for the first time in 15 to 20 years being a dad, his job, and it's very funny. I, I, I'm i only, like I said, maybe an hour into the audio or not even that far, but I just, I love this book already. And it's very kind of caustic and of a moment, and uh, I don't know, it's very good. So that is my audio. I, I think I might start looking at the print, or I might you know, kind of go back and forth because I, I really want to get through it. I really like it. Mm. So that that book I see, I have seen to be mentioned frequently in the same articles as Linda Holmes's book, which I just finished, um, Evie Drake starts over. And I saw an interview where there were like four authors talking about the writing process together, all sitting on a couch in LA or something. And so I think um, my guess is that they know each other. That is what I'm listening to. And I'm also... I've also started two books in print. So one of which I'm almost done with, and it's a book I've had in the house for a while. It's called Belonging by Nora Krug. And it's actually a graphic, it's not even a novel. It's a, it's a graphic memoir, I guess is what I would call it. 
And it's about a woman. She's probably in her thirties or forties and she's German. Although now she lives in, I think she lives in Brooklyn and it's all about her coming to terms with being German uh, in light of World War II. And it's kind of about how do, how do modern Germans deal with the guilt of the war? And she hasn't really ever, until she decided to write this book, she hadn't really explored her family history and what their role was during World War II. And her parents were kind of tight-lipped about it. And it seems to be like kind of a common theme among Germans that they sort of don't want to know. Like it's too painful to go back and look and see, you know, were, was my family, were they Nazis? How much did they participate? How much did they know what was going on? And she's married a Jewish man and she's feeling all this guilt about being German. And so she decides to go back to Germany and kind of retrace her family tree and figure out who they were and what they did and what was going on. And and so beautifully done this graphic, the graphic part of it, because she's got all these really cool, she's actually like gone to these um, like antique stores in Germany and bought photographs and letters from the war, even things that aren't related to her family, but just other families. And she intersperses those throughout and her drawings are really good in it. The whole thing is written in her handwriting, which is extremely neat and regular. So you don't feel like you're reading someone's script. It feels like print, but it's just, just this really beautifully done book. So I'm almost done with that. I brought that on the plane and read it a lot of the way to Vancouver, which is where I went. And it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting question that I've always kind of wondered about, which is how do you reconcile like modern Germany with what happened before? You know, things that I don't even think about, like she went to like a soccer match or something, or she was someplace where the German team had gone very far, but like the Germans wouldn't sing their own national anthem. Like they, there's a lot of guilt, a, a lot of guilt there that I don't think I realized was still as pervasive as it is today. So if you like graphic novels or graphic memoirs, this one, I just, I don't know. I'm just kind of in awe of what she's done like visually on the page and it's really good. I started the Lager Queen of Minnesota, which is the new giant J Ryan Straddle book, which of course, as you know, I've been conflicted about reading because I was worried it wouldn't compare to Kitchens of the Great Midwest, but I'm in like maybe 20 to 25 pages in it. And so far I like it. So I don't have much to report on that yet. I'm sure I will the next time we talk. <laughs> Here we so go. I'm, yeah. So I'm juggling like four books right now, but they're all good. Well, so that's good. Yeah. Even if our progress is not what we would hope sometimes. Right. It's nice to be reading good books. Right. Like, you know how like, when you know when you download like, like, like if you download a whole bunch of things at one time, yeah, and they each move slowly. You're watching the progress of each of them. So rather than your computer saying like I'm just going to j- download a full one and then start a next one and then start a right. next one, it downloads like four at one time, and so it moves more slowly. That's what I'm doing right now. I have like the like progress bar is across four books and it's moving slowly, but it's moving, right. So you're going to finish up that first 
the one you're close to finishing, then just... Yeah, right, and then just go down the line. Jan from, it's J-A-N-T dot reads on Instagram. Mm -hmm. She commented that the book of the month books were out, and I have been so busy that I had not even... I looked at them last night. Hadn't gotten a chance to look at them. So she said she strongly considers what we say. So she's thinking about three women. Oh, yeah. And uh, and also things you save in a fire. Yeah. So those are both picks this month. And I, you have things we save in a fire. I have things you save in a fire. Yep. It's funny. The book of the month calls that romance. I guess that's typical Catherine Center. Like, I don't know if I call them romance. They're just sort of, they're, they're kind they? of like... Yeah, I mean, I guess they are, but they're I, they have a little more like heft to them. I feel like than just calling them romance. Yeah. Well, I have two of the three books, but I'm gonna get the Gifted School. Oh, that's the one I was looking at. I thought that looked really good. This historical fantasy: a whip-smart Cinderella gets tangled up in 1920s jazz age epic that brings Mayan mythology to life. I don't know this author, but that sounds. Oh my god! I would intriguing. never ever read that. You're like, no, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, so with Catherine Center, like, I feel like it's kind of more just, like, I think I would call it women's fiction instead of romance. I don't know. It's, like, if you think about how to walk away, I mean, there's usually a romantic element to it, but it's not, I don't know, maybe I don't read enough romance. Maybe I don't know what romance actually is, but I guess they're trying to signal the audience that, that will appreciate this book. I think The Gifted School looks really good. That's the one about... Is it about the people, like parents behaving badly, who are trying to get their kid into a, yes, a new, Real like life. a magnety school? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. So I woke up this morning at some ungodly time in the morning and could not go back to sleep and was just reading articles and got caught up on the fact that the Obamas are staying put in Washington, D.C. and that there's all these scandals at Tidwell. Well, they said that they feel like Sasha, and of course, this is probably some rumor site or whatever. But it seems like someone interviewed them and they actually said that Sasha's going to want to come and visit her friends in the area. So we'll be here a few more years and that they want to see where the girls are going to settle after college. So, oh, my God, that's very exciting. They're Not that hang, I like they're going to hide back them. so you can still become BFFs <laughs> with Michelle and we can have her on the show. Oh, my God. It's that's possible. great. It's great because, you know, in the last... 10 years that they've lived here. I've, I've seen them so frequently. <laughs> um, that's exciting news. Yes. There's lots of scandals at Sidwell. Uh, and Admissions parents behaving badly. Yeah. Parents behaving badly. Did you behave badly, Gail? <laughs> My daughter's a freshman and she just started this year. So I've had no, no interaction with the school on, on the college placement thing, but yeah, I guess there were some parents of kids in, I don't know if it's this group, this grade or la- maybe it was last year's seniors, but they were, oh, it's awful. They were like reaching out to admissions committees at other, at colleges about other people's kids, like right. reporting bad things that they had done. Them, right? Yes. Yes. And it's just, it's just egregious. I can't, I mean, it's just awful. So yeah, there's this um, big I guess- article in the Atlantic about how, you know, parents are used to being able to pay for these things for their kids to get in college and going to prep school just meant you were were going to college and now things are different. Yeah. Yeah. I read that article. Like 10 people sent it to me the day it came out (laughs) because my daughter goes there. Um, And I guess like two out of three admissions people quit. 
because they just couldn't deal with the parents. Ugh, I'm not looking forward to this process. We're like two years away from that, but I'm just really not excited about it. Well, part of the problem is you now see college degree required for these jobs where it's like, are you kidding me? Well, this book, The Gifted School, I mean, the, yeah, The Gifted School is about wealthy parents imploding their quote unquote oh so perfect lives to get their kids into a school. And this takes place in Colorado. Keenly entertaining novel that observes the drama within a community of friends and parents as good intentions and high ambitions collide. This is the one that I kind of caught my eye. I have three women already. I, that, that probably would have been first on my list. But the one that I would have picked next probably would have been this one. Slow build, social issues, suburban drama. I like the way they give you these little, these little like icons so you know what you've got going on. 400 pages plus. Hmm. <laughs> so what are, do you get to pick? I don't know how it works. Will you pick one every month? I can skip a month. For instance, now I have two of these. There's because of a, th- a month you skipped before. No, no, I mean that I actually have two. I have things. You oh, oh you own two of them, right? And you but like if you skip a month, women. if you skip a month, does that mean you can pick two of the next month, or you can just extend the subscription another month, or either? either. Okay. Hmm. Either so what either. are you going to do? I'm going to get the gifted school. Ooh, awesome. Yeah, I'm going to get the gifted school, and that's, that'll probably be all I get. Sometimes I, I just should never get multiple books. Yeah. Because I'm starting a book of the month collection. I get these books that I have wanted to read so much, and then I read my last book of the month book, which I think was the one that Siobhan had told us about, the Antonia, I can't think of her name. But I read one of the, I read that book, but I don't read a lot of my book of the month books. Mm. I want to. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I want to read. So I get them and and they're here. There's a very robust swap going, that goes on, on various swap groups with book of the month books. And some people like to collect only book of the, like they only want the book in the book of the month. We're recommending trying the gifted school but with the handicap that we both already have three women and things you save in a fire so yeah so basically this was a good month yeah three three books okay so you've told me what you're reading i've said what i'm reading so why don't you tell us about what you have loosely planned for the rest of the summer, if not the rest of the year. We were supposed to come up with a challenge. We were supposed to do our summer challenge. And I thought this would be good, you know, because it's July 4th. So we have two months of summer, but we've been so busy. We haven't thought about it. So maybe Maybe what we could do, or maybe (laughs) coming out of this episode, we can see what overlap we have and maybe turn that into a challenge Mm -hmm. or at least like a book club. So you know me, I'm a mood reader, and I don't do a lot of book planning. I don't do a lot of planning, and I just kind of read where the winds take me. But I do have a little list of books that I are really high on my list that I want to get through. And I also have the Every Day I Write the Book Reading Challenge, which I've been really, really bad about because I just haven't read almost any categories on there. Although I think that that book that I just talked about, um, Belonging, that could probably work in nonfiction Although so so would bad blood, so at least I've got something covered there. And graphic 
novel or memoir is not one of the categories. So I'll just have to pick one of those to slot into the the nonfiction category. So for me, I mean, like you said, the last show, there's kind of an embarrassment of riches of really good literary fiction that's out this summer. So some of those are on my to-do list for the rest of the summer and trust exercise is one of them, which you and I are going to be reading for our July book club discussion. And The Lager Queen of Minnesota and Fleischman is in Trouble, which are the two books that I just mentioned that I'm reading right now. But there's a couple other ones that have come out or are going to come out that I would really like to get to just because I've just seen them coming up over and over again that people really like and they're on my shelf. And you know maybe these are the ones I'll reach for like when we go travel in August or just when I finished some of the ones that we are that I'm working on right now. So of that list, um, The Last Romantics, which came out er earlier this year. Did you read that one? No. This was one of the Jenna, read with Jenna Today Show picks. And I've just seen this everywhere. And I know people really liked it. So although I also know some people did not like it. So it's not like it's just a complete home run. So I want to try that one. I want to read Normal People, which is another book that I feel like has been super popular, but also controversial as some people don't like it. And I didn't like her first book as much. I don't know. I've read enough. I really enjoyed that book. I really enjoyed it, but I was not. I feel like people that I spoke to about it or I read it with a book, my book club and there's a fervor about it that I don't have. Like I thought it was good. I thought, you know, it was, it was a good book. It was interesting. And there's lots to, to discuss with it. You don't think it, I would not be on the, Oh my, yeah, it wasn't, I mean, she just does, she does relationships very well, like the interchange, the dialogue, the issues that are working on, but it was not a book that I was like, that I finished and was, oh my God, you have to read this. Okay. It would be a good, not great for me. All right. Well, it's on my list because I'm just intrigued enough that I want to try it. Um, Ask Again, Yes by Mary Beth Keen, which was a prior book of the month selection. I picked that one up at Book Expo, and that also has just been really, really hyped up. And then I want to read this book called The Dearly Beloved, which I think is due out by the end of the summer, which is another one I picked up at Book Expo. I'm Cara Wall. Have you read anything about this book? Mm-mm. Maybe if I saw the yeah, cover. Yeah, it's one of those, tell us one about of those it. books that has this kind of blocky font that I noticed there were like eight books that all had this font. And I posted a picture of it on Instagram. I think it's a thing. Saying, is this a new like cover, book cover trend? It is. I think I read an article on it and why people were switching to that. I think they're talking about the fonts that show up best when people are reading. Book spines? Not book spines, but they're good for across the distance. Mm. And I think they were talking about how to make book covers more distinguishable when you're looking at them on your screen. Oh, so they're now designing for e-readers or for or for just digital? That's interesting. I mean, when I came home, there were like eight books that all had that exact same font set against mm-hmm. very bright colored backgrounds, either designs or pictures or something, but very vibrant colors. Right. 
This book is about two couples that meet in Greenwich Village in the 60s when the two men are jointly hired to steward the historic Third Presbyterian Church through turbulent times. Their personal differences, however, threaten to tear them apart. So it says, we follow these two couples through decades of love and friendship, jealousy and understanding, forgiveness and commitment against the backdrop of turbulent changes facing the city and the church's congregation. These four forge improbable paths through their evolving relationships, each struggling with uncertainty, heartbreak, and joy. So you've got like a overtime friendship marriage book, which as you know, is something I really like. So this book comes out in August, but I have it now. So I would like to add that like of all the books that I brought back from book expo, this one really kind of jumped out at me, but you're holding off on reading it. Well, you're in the middle of your book. So, well, I'm holding off on reading like 6,000 other books too. So it's not nothing against this particular book. So yeah, there's just a lot coming in. One of the books I have coming from a book swap is how not to die alone. Have you read that one? Mm-mm. Siobhan told us about that. That was the book of the month yep. pick too. Everyone seems to love yep. that book. I think that's another kind of character on the spectrum type book. It gets compared to Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. And that book will be coming to me soon because I swapped it for, I think for a copy of three women, cause I had an extra. So that's going to be coming in the mail. So I think that would, be something I'd probably bump up the list, but there's like 6,000 books on the list. And then last night we had some people over and someone was telling me about the overstory, which is a book that I'd kind of dismissed because it just won the Pulitzer and about, it's about trees. And I thought that sounded really unappealing, that combination. Yeah, Richard Powers. But then she said it was like the greatest book she'd read in the last few years. And she said it was amazing. And it's not just about trees. It's about, it's these stories about people and there's, it, how they relate to nature. I don't know. That also sounded kind of good, but that's like a doorstop Pulitzer book. So that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but it, but it, it got a little bit more. Yeah. It made, I said, well, you're the first person to actually like explain to me what this book is about and non. Well, that's kind of what happened with, well, you were forced to read it by your book club when you had to read the Delia Owens book, but I had told you it was about trees and nature and the marsh right. and the marsh. And you were like, no, <laughs> right. And you read it and you see yeah. what I mean. It was, I mean, it was very much about those things, but it was also just in a way integral and woven into the book that it had to be there and you right. didn't mind it. So it'll probably never probably happen. Won't, but, you fine. know, at least I talked about it. <laughs> so that's kind of like my loose pro- projecting forward to-do list for the summer, not including whatever you and I pick for. Uh, like our August book club or a reading challenge. And this also doesn't include the fact that I've really got to make some progress on the the everyday I write the book reading challenge. So like self-help, one of, there's a, a self-help book that I put on hold at the library like three months ago and it's finally ready for me. And it's called Atomic Habits mm-hmm. and somebody that I work with recommended it. And so. Oh, James Clear. Uh, I don't even know who wrote it wrote that I think I've heard a lot about that I've read some of his writing yeah so that um I'll pick that one up and then there was a book is that the one that's waiting for me there's a book that's supposed to be very funny that I put in my humor category because like you I don't usually find books that are like 
meant to be humorous. <laughs> I don't always find them humorous, but then someone said this one was really funny. So I picked that up. I, I have that on hold and it's waiting for me. I'm trying to see what that one is called. It is called funnies. Everything is just fine. I think this is also a parents behaving badly book that takes place in Beverly Hills. And someone, I just read some review that said it was hilarious. Brett Paisel, P-A-E-S-E-L is the author. So if it turns out to actually be really funny, I'll probably put this as my humor book. Well, does it have to be, can it just be called humorous to be your humor book? What if it's not really funny, but because people said it's funny, would it count mm. if you had to, if you got through it, but you didn't laugh? That is a good question. Yeah, I suppose. I think both categories count. Like books that are in the category, that are supposed to be in the category that you are supposed to be reading, but you don't actually find that it merits that. I think that counts. And then I think, yeah, yeah, and then I think books that are not in that category, but turn out to be applicable to that category can also count. Really? If for whatever reason you, you read a drama or you read something that was supposed to be deeper or however you would categorize that, but you just found it funny. Could you really include that? I think so. I think it works one way. I'm not sure if it will work the second way. Well, here's the thing. This one's called Brilliant Laugh Out Loud, Out Loud Satire. So to me, that's... Well, that's definitely okay, humor. Okay, so you think this fits, but fits the bill regardless. I think that fits. I think that if you read a book that was not... I don't, like... If you read a J. Courtney Sullivan book and you just found it particularly mm. funny, I don't think you could use that as That's a humor fair. book. I think that makes sense. I put, for example, I may end up putting, depending on how the year winds up, I may end up putting educated in the true survival category. You think that works? Educated is definitely okay. a true survival. I think we've talked about this, talked right? About okay. This. You re- you're resistant to do it. I don't know why. Well, I'm only resistant to it because... In the beginning of the year, I was like, oh, good. Now I'll finally read that book about the woman at the North Pole who has cancer. So I'm feeling oh. guilty. Well, I know. I know. <laughs> more just like. But you're less likely. No, to I'm more just now. like now I'm going to feel kind of guilty if I use educated and true survival because I had in the beginning of the year intended to read that other one. But if it's like December 24th and I haven't gotten to it yet, then I may just slide educated in there and then I'll feel guilty. But you're right. There's no reason why I should be like tortured about it now. It's only June. Yeah, why are you making your reading challenge harder? You can check this off as done and focus your angst on some some other category that you don't want to finish. Jewish guilt, I don't know. I did a count and I figured out that I I would have to read 18 books, 18 books that are pretty specific in order to finish. Pop Sugar? And I have six months to do it. Yeah. So, do you th- so what's that? Three books a month that are specific? Do you think you'll do Do you think that will happen? I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the challenge part. I've done the easy part mm. where, you know, any book I read just sort of ticked off mm-hmm. something. So now here comes the focus. And I have a list of books that I really want to read and have really wanted to read. And that was the purpose of doing this. But now, of course, we have all this great literary fiction that I, we haven't even begun to discuss. Can you um, can you tell me some of the categories that you think are going to be the hardest? Maybe we can crowdsource or I can help you. Yeah, that you think are going to be just like the hardest to get to. Either they're, they're just too arcane or you just are, don't, don't know what you want to use for them. Okay. Well, so one, 
is the RPG category. You have to read an RPG book, and the only book that I've ever read like that is Ready Player One. I don't even know and what I RPG to that is. On audio. What? I think it's a real player game, or real like it's based on something that you play. I have no idea. I've read the description of this category several times, and I still have absolutely no RPG idea. RPG book here. I'm looking it up. What? Oh, role playing game. What I'm supposed to do? Role playing game. So I guess if I read a book about someone playing Dungeons and Dragons, but oh my god, yeah, as widely as I read, that just does not sound like it's going to happen. But I did come across. I don't know a role player game. So no, that would not be a book about chess. (laughs) Let's see. I'm looking up role player game books. Oh, and Goodreads. There's a whole category. Yeah, and none of them are books I want to read. Players assume the roles of characters in a fictional setting. Okay, yeah, this is going to be tough. I still have to read a book becoming a movie in 2019. I'm thinking The Sun is also a star. Ooh, I think I'm going to do that too. Okay, good. A book written by a musician, and I chose... Apparently Steve Martin is a musician, and I chose An Object of Beauty because it seemed interesting, and I also think it's not very long. He's definitely a musician. He has an album out with um, Edie Brickell, I think. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah, he plays... What Mm. instrument does he play? Yeah, that definitely counts. So, a book with at least one million ratings on Goodreads. I'm going with Little Prince, because I've never read that, and I want to read it, and I I think it's also Mm -hmm. very short. A reread of a favorite book. Uh, Catcher in the Rye, because it's Mm -hmm. short. (laughs) Because it's short. Mm -hmm. So I have to read a book published posthumously. Oh. So far on my list, I have Barracoon by Zora Neale Hurston because I have it on audio. And it's not very long. I think it's two and a half hours. Or Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen. Okay. Because that came out after she died. Um, A book you see someone reading on TV or in a movie. I'm still on the lookout for Mm. that. So far, I have strangers on a train, but I'm casting about to see if anything. Does it have better. to be something you've seen, or is it something that other people have spotted in the movie? I guess it could be sort of meta like that inside the movie, but I don't know. If so, I just took it, how I'm going to do it is if someone mentions something like, so far, I have strangers on a train, which someone said Spencer Reed reads in Criminal Minds. I'm going to say it can be someone else who's seen the person reading the book because I don't watch a lot of TV sometimes. And I don't remember stuff like that. You know what would be a great challenge category? Um, Would be a book that you've seen someone reading on the subway. Yes. But would you have any of that? Maybe we should do that. Uh, you know, it's funny. Whenever I take the subway, I always look to see what people are reading. Like I kind of crane my head to like mm-hmm. see what it is. I mean, I right. I don't have anything in recent memory, but I, it'd be fun to just kind of like look and then you have to read one of them. It just would be kind of a fun, well, a fun thing. Oh, as I ride the subway, I'll let you know what I okay. spot and we'll see. A book with a question in the title, a book about someone with a superpower. Mm. I was thinking of reading The Power. Okay. Is that the name of that book? A book set in space, which I've been trying to get <laughs> <laughs> been trying to get you to read. Yeah. 
a book set in Scandinavia, which I'm just like, I haven't, I think is a series book that I read. A series book might fit into that. A book with love in the title. Oh, that's got to be easy. It wasn't that. I I chose Love and Ruin by Paula McLean. Uh, a book with a zodiac sign or astrology term in the title. Ooh, okay. A, a book by an author whose first and last name start with the same letter. I was thinking maybe I could read something by Ron Rash. Mm, good. Since I know he's nice and spare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a ghost story, which I have no idea right now. Two books that share the same title, oh. which I have Quicksand by Nella Larson. And then Quicksand is a book that I have been meaning to read that has, is also a Netflix series. And then I need to read a book set in an abbey, cloister, monastery, vicarage, or convent, which I have a book in mind, but we'll see. Yeah, that's a lot. And it's a lot of things that like may not just sort of come up in your sort of uh, natural right, like mood I said, reading. All the right. easy outs, these are yeah. the very specific. Like these are 18 very specific books. So we'll see. Yeah. I have a lot going on right now, so it just depends on whether my schedule will support reading three very specific books a month. You know, yeah. like – Books that I want to read, but it's not like, oh, I've been dying to read these books. And it's hard to find books in these categories that you've been dying to read because they're so... Yeah, it's hard to find the period. (laughs) Right. All right, I have movie in 2019, and I think I'm going to do the same one that you just said. Which, uh, oh, no. Oh, you're going to do... No, well, there's Sun Sun is also also a star, but then... What's the one? I'll or give, you wanted to do? I'll give you. You the wanted moon to do the hate you give, or I'll give you the moon. Is that another one? No, wait. Which is the one about twins? Is that the sun is also I a star? Heard of that one. No. Mm-mm. This is one called. So you might be thinking of something different. Let me see this one. It's also YA. That's why I get them confused. I'll give you the sun. That's what it's called. Oh, that's why I get confused because they've got. Um, they both have sun in the title. Is this the one? Yeah. So it's about twins, a twin brother and sister. And I think he's gay. And it's about, it's kind of about their, their relationships. Like I think the, they tell the whole, something happens and they're barely speaking to each other. So the, the son, the boy, the brother relates the early years and the, Sister relates the later years, um, but I think that's coming out as in a movie. Let me see, because this is the one I was going to do, um, and it may be on Netflix. Yes, movie comes out in two thousand nineteen. I think that's what I'm going to do, and I, my daughter has this book, so that's YA, and I'm kind of hoping it'll be kind of quick. And then Pulitzer Prize. I think I'm going to read Less by Andrew Sean Greer. Also, not that long. Unread classic, I think I'm going to do um, Agatha Christie and then there were none. Self-help is going to be Atomic Habits. Nonfiction will probably be... I'm very curious to see how you feel about uh, Less. Okay. I think that's another one that seems polarizing. So nonfiction will probably be Bad Blood. Yeah, I read or it. Or it'll be Belonging, or both. 
Oh, book set in my birth year. That's the hardest one. And then humor is the one that I just talked about. Everything is just fine. So I think that birth year one's going to be kind of a pain because I've looked through that list a thousand times and there's nothing I like. Actually, there may have been a Toni Morrison book. That may be what I'll read. Maybe it was The Bluest Eye or something. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. All right. Well, to wrap it up. Yeah. We didn't get to the literary fiction. We didn't get to the literary fiction. Or your summer to-do list. All right. Well, we need to wrap this up. Uh, we meandered a bit on this episode. We diverted a little bit from our original outline. But I think we covered a lot of books and uh, have hopefully both of us a slightly clearer plan for what we want to accomplish this summer, rest of the summer and for the rest of the year. So we will resume talking about hot literary fiction reads for the summer next time, which was on our list. And we didn't really get to it, although we touched on a, a number of them, but not... Or the week after next, because actually we have a guest. Oh, yeah. Next week we have a guest next show. Week. But then the week after that, we'll, we'll get into some literary fiction. For, For real. real. We commit right now that we will do literary fiction. Well, until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. <laughs>